0: Previously on Media MD. So this fortnight, I'm bringing you The Expanse.
1: I can't believe you're recommending a science fiction television show.
0: I know. You know, I don't watch very many. Mm. It's at 200 years in the future. Humanity has sort of colonised the entire solar system. There's a sort of Cold War situation uh, mm. between Earth and Mars. Earth is now sort of controlled by the UN. I'm hoping the book explains better how that happened. Mars is so barren. All the Martians are always having to work together and fight to survive. It's created a quite expansive uh, universe. Yep, nice, nice time.
1: Uh... <laughs> Hello and welcome to Media MD, the podcast where each fortnight we prescribe each other a piece of media that we have somehow missed. I'm Ruben Morehouse.
0: And I'm Elliot t
1: And this is our diagnosis episode where we are following up two weeks after uh, you sent me The Expanse to watch. So yep. let's dive right into it. Now, because this is our diagnosis, uh, this is going to be spoilers for The Expanse. So if you still haven't watched it and you want to check it out, go back and check out our episode from two weeks ago, which is our The Expanse prescription. All right. You've been spoiler warned. So I'm going to dive in with just like a very quick one-minute summary, because I know you gave me a little general kind of story background summary, but I want to get a bit more in-depth here. I would describe it as Game of Thrones meets space. (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah, so it's it's an ensemble show, right? So there's three different plot lines going at once, and my minute is going to start... Now, so the first plot line is there's a cop, a guy called Miller, who's investigating a missing girl whose father has reported her missing. Her name's Julie Mao. She was on board a ship called the Scopuli, and we kind of see her at the start of the show. We cut forward a bit. We're following a pilot called Holden, who's transporting ice across the galaxy, and his crew kind of finds the Scopuli abandoned with its, like, SOS beacon going off. So Holden and a small kind of skeleton crew investigate on an escape pod, and then their main ship, the Canterbury, is like blown up by what appears to be a warship from Mars. Back on Earth, there's this UN senator, who's our third main character, investigating this kind of blown up ship that appears to be Martians starting a war, and her plotline kind of is following this conspiracy that unravels as uh, Miller, the detective, and Holden, who was the pilot, kind of investigate this conspiracy from different angles. Um, And Miller and Holden converge towards the end of the first series, and the UN senator on Earth doesn't really ever come into it that much. She's just kind of investigating from the background. So the kind of season one plot is we're trying to figure out who blew up this ship and who is trying to start a war between Earth and Mars and maybe the OPA, which is this kind of terrorist organization, um, kind of freedom fighters, terrorists. Uh, and so it turns out, spoilers, that it seems like it's Earth trying to start the war. That kind of comes out at the end of Season 1. I don't r- really know why. It wasn't super obvious. Maybe just to kind of fuck with Mars and the OPA. I don't know. Anyway, so that's kind of the plot of Season 1,
0: right? Okay, well, I, okay, now, now I'm trying to remember exactly where the end of Season 1 was. Because it's it's not Earth. It's a specific corporation. Right, yeah.
1: So, Julie Mao, who's the missing girl, her father was the guy who kind of created this bioweapon, which is at the heart of this conspiracy, right? Yeah. And, I mean, okay, he was obviously the one who was kind of doing a lot of this stuff, but from what happened in the show, it seemed like Earth and some UN higher-ups were pretty involved.
0: Yeah, okay, yeah, I I see where you're coming from. I mean, I guess... Well, I won't say anymore. Stay
1: tuned um. for that. Yeah, <laughs> um, you know, that,
0: that that keeps going on.
1: Yeah, so I want to talk about now that, that kind of basic plotline is out of the way. In case people haven't watched it, I do want to talk a bit about like what the three different character arcs that I mentioned. So there's the cop Miller, there's Holden, the pilot guy, and there's um the the UN sender Christian. Christian, that's it with a J.
0: Yeah,
1: I, it's interesting to me because I would say the the most stereotypical one of them, Holden, who is kind of the most main character of the main characters. He's the one that kind of yeah. gets focused on the most. He was probably the most uninteresting to me, just because he was a bit...
0: He's just sort of the classic hero character. Um, no, he definitely... He wouldn't carry it if he was really the only main character. Like The other characters are really... They really improve the sort of depth yeah. of the scene. Yeah, the yeah.
1: The kind of cop miller is like this cop who you can tell thinks that he's like this great detective um but it kind of turns out that he's put on this case because he's expected to fail yeah so it's this very funny kind of like he really is very arrogant and then episode like six or something after he gets after he figures out what's going on and he's like basically a fall guy it starts with him like being like what the fuck i used to be a good cop right did i Mm. and then he kind of has this existential crisis he turns into this really interesting character. He's just this kind of cop who doesn't really give a shit, but kind of finds this one thing that he is passionate about and kind of gets on the job again because of this. Mm-hmm. And this is a kind of archetype that we've seen in other stuff, even in um, Guards, Guards. I- I'd call it something very similar to, to Vimes's kind of arc, where it's a cop who kind of is a bit shitty, but then kind of gets redeemed through this case that he picks up. Yeah, But, you know, it, he, he's a very interesting character and he kind of has a lot of weird mannerisms and, like, watching him kind of investigate this thing in a kind of half Sherlock-y, half, like, I don't know, firefly kind of way is very interesting to me. Mm. And then the senator, Christian, is, like, fucking amazing to watch. She just has these great political, like, interplays. Her, her yeah. story is very uh, bloodless and clean. It's just her trying to investigate very logical sequences one after the other in this very political environment, which is very yeah. fun to watch. Um, I, she was probably my favorite to watch, actually.
0: Yeah. Well, so that's probably a good point now that you've sort of talked about those different plot lines, because that actually ties in a lot. So like, I read the book mm. and I was both surprised by how similar things were and also how different mm. a lot of it was. So for instance, C- Christian is not in the book. Whoa. Really? It's only, yeah, there's two point of view characters. So basically the chapters alternate between being about Holden and being about Miller. Wow. So I looked it up and it turns out like Christian's introduced in the second book. As a point of view character. Yeah. And they, they just brought her into the start of the series. And that was huh. probably a good call. Because um, jumping between Holden and Miller... um. You know, like, yeah, like you said, Miller's actually... Sorry, uh, Holden's actually probably worse in the book for just being a bland sort of hero character. Like, they actually changed some of his backstory and things in the show. Like, uh, the book went into his backstory, and he, he was actually just kind of even more of a bland goody two-shoes. Oh, really? Yeah, and, and the show's actually sort of edged him out a bit, and um, he's, yeah. pro- he's probably even better in the show. Where, and then Miller, Miller's actually even sleazier in the book. Oh, that sounds great. I mean, yeah. the sleazy Miller sounds great.
1: Yeah, the Holden backstory thing is weird. They they kind of hint at it a bit, and then um, Christian, the senator, goes to talk to Holden's mother when they mm. think that he's a terrorist. He was like born in like this commune, yeah, as some kind of like land grab. I was really yeah. confused about what was going
0: on there. So yeah, that stuff that stuff was all a bit unclear. But um, more more specifically, like, the real thing that they changed is in the show. They sort of made his whole group of parents, because you know, he has like 12 parents or something. Um, mm. They're all very anti the government, and, and they sort yeah. of live out. That wasn't at all in the book. They were just like, the only thing was, oh yeah, he has 12 parents, and that's kind of weird from a 21st century perspective. But all the all the anti-government stuff was completely made up. He basically just had a normal childhood, went into the Navy, then got dishonorably discharged, and ended up and then- on the Canterbury yeah it was also it was particularly annoying because like it was kind of fun alternating between the miller and holden chapters mm. because they'd often play off each other so like a miller chapter would end with like something hitting the news about what was going about on what like, was oh, happening from holden's yeah perspective. oh like the martian donager ship has just been like blown up and Miller would be like, what? And then it'd cut to Holden's chapter and Holden would be like on the Donager as it's getting blown up. Oh, that's cool. And so that was neat. But then from about the second half of the book, and I mean, you saw this in the show, like when they hit Eros and they're, mm. they're both sort of on it together, swapping the chapters' perspectives became pretty pointless because they were <laughs> doing everything. And it was like just the two of them for ages. And I was like, yeah. why are we like, following the only two characters who are together? Like,
1: and why are, they just, are they <laughs> why are they swapping perspectives? <laughs>
0: Yeah, so that whole bit where it's just um, Holden and Miller, and then you know how like Naomi, Amos, and yeah, yeah, and all the rest of them sort of go through Man, the sewers. Man, this is gonna make
1: no sense if you haven't seen the show.
0: Well, yeah, um, but yeah, there's a whole bit where Holden and Miller are off by themselves, and all the other characters are together going through the sewers and stuff. And that was all completely made up for the show because in the books, you just sort of hear, oh, they've left because we're just taking turns seeing the same things through Holden and Miller's perspective. Weird. um, but yeah, so like, overall, I think. I I've heard the books get better, like because I did mm. some reading when when people like Christian were missing. But it it does to me. I prefer the show over the book, which is just kind of weird. The book does have strengths over the show. Like the book goes a lot deeper into some of the descriptions of like how certain bits of technology work, or yeah, um, just building the sort of depth of the universe, which you know because books can just always do that a bit better. Well, uh, and then obviously Belter's are described a lot more as a lot more extremely deformed in the books than in the show. Than they are in the show because obviously the show actually has to hire actors and stuff. So Naomi, (laughs) Naomi the Belter, she's meant to be like just over two meters tall. Oh shit. No, she's Um, not
1: disfigured at all in the show.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um. Yeah. So, so that was kind of interesting.
1: So talking about the books, I'm, I'm curious where the cutoff point between book one and book two is in the show.
0: Yeah. So... The book ended at season two, episode five. Right. Okay. So I haven't um, even got up to it yet. All right. No. So Eros, the the Eros incident happens about two thirds of the way through the book. Hmm. Um. But obviously the show sort of padded it out a bit because they added Christian's whole perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And stuff like that.
1: It didn't feel like it had been padded at all. It it kind of had a good flow throughout the whole season I thought
0: well yeah and so the writers of the books are also like consultants and I think they help write the show so good good all all of these sort of retcon things and changes are presumably being how they would have done by it <laughs> so yeah I think a lot of it is them going back and being like yeah we should have Yeah we, we should, should have just t- from t- the had the start, t- like... <laughs>
1: yeah um well I want to talk about this actually I I I said that the show has a good flow and that's mostly true except You said in in our prescription part, again, go listen to that if you haven't, um, that the first two episodes were slow, right? Yeah. I, I didn't find them slow. I found them very hard to follow, to a weird extent. So, like, first of all, if you haven't seen the show yet, my recommendation is, at least for the first two episodes... Turn the brightness up to full and turn on the subtitles. Because it, it was like, especially in the first episode, when I was still kind of getting my bearings, um, when you're following Miller, the cop, who's kind of going through this grungy setting, a lot of the characters will very quickly sp- switch between speaking the Belter kind of pidgin language and English. And with that, before I turned the subtitles on, I just had no idea. Like, not even what they were saying, but even if they were... Like, speaking English at the moment, or by the time my brain, like, caught up to when they were speaking English and when they weren't, I was, like, already lost in what was happening. So, all of Miller's stuff, I was lost in the first episode.
0: Yeah, that's, that's probably a good point, because especially the Belters all have pretty thick accents as mm. well.
1: Yeah. Which, I mean, it, it like, obviously, it logically makes sense and everything. It just made it very hard to follow. Um, and I, I kept having this weird experience where, so the sci-fi channel puts up recaps of each episode, like had recaps on their website. And because I had such a hard time following the first episode, I watched the, I like read the recap of it, um, before I watched the second episode and it had a bunch of information that I just completely didn't realize that I had missed. Um, so like Julie Mao, you see her at the very start, right? Yeah on this ship um and i actually didn't board. realize
0: that was julie so just when i first watched it it wasn't until about episode seven or something i think when miller starts having full-on visions of julie that you that i was like yeah i was like oh shit that's the girl from the start so like, i read
1: <laughs> i'm an idiot <laughs> so i read the recap and the recap's like we see a girl her name tag says julie mao and on the other side it says the scopuli Remember this for later, and then later on in the recap, it's like, and now we see a ship called the Scopuli. Ooh, and Miller is given a case to find this missing girl, Julie Mao. Bracket. Remember, she was the girl at the start. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I did not catch that.
0: Um, yeah. No, I definitely. I had a lot of trouble the first time I watched the show because I started to forget all the ship names, and then people talk about the Donager and the Scopuli and the Canterbury, yeah, and I yeah. like, I don't remember I don't which one was what.
1: Yeah, and so from that point, I was like, oh, I should be reading the recaps. And then every time I read the recaps, I did it for like the second episode, the third episode, the fourth episode. And (laughs) and there was always things that I had just completely missed, like minor ish things, but still things that seemed important. And they would sometimes be featured on the previously on in the next episode. And I'd just be like, I do not. Like, did that happen? <laughs> like, <laughs> I did not catch that at all. Like, there's one where uh, in like episode three or four, it's like previously on, and it shows you, um, it shows you like a person looking and like clearly noticing one of the uh, one of Holden's crew members at a bar. And I'm like, I did not remember that. Like, who was that guy? Why is he noticing them? Is that important? And it wasn't important, so I'm not sure why it was in there. But <laughs> I-, I just had completely missed it. So, yeah, I'm not going to blame that on myself getting distracted while watching. I'm going to blame it on the first few episodes being quite hard to follow in a lot of ways. Um, but after it got past, like, episode three or four, or a- a- about episode three is where it really started being a lot more clear to follow and a lot more, like, I don't know, brightly lit, or they didn't sw- <laughs> switch between pidgin language and English as much. Or I don't know what it was, but um, it became a lot easier to follow after that. So if you're having trouble with the first two episodes, just kind of... Stick with it. Read the recaps, and when you hit episode three, you should be fine.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I I, I like this show. I did like it. I I feel like, I feel like I definitely am glad that you told me about the kind of general plot setup at the start. Um, actually, I was a little disappointed with how much Mars wasn't really featured in the first season.
0: Yeah, it it comes in in a big way in the second. Yeah, um, I, I, <clears throat> so I, one of the one of the characters who gets introduced in season two is a Martian. Mm. Sorry, wait, and her name's Bobby Draper, and she interacts directly with Christian a bunch, and so right. that she and she's really good as well. Like, yeah, again, the first <laughs> the first book really suffers by not having Bobby and Christian. <laughs> Christian. in it.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you told me about a lot of the Mars stuff, like how they're scientists and whatever, but that was like way more than we got in season one in season one all we got there's one thing you mentioned which is how they like uh united as a people by trying to make mars survive and we get like one line hinting at that and that's basically yeah. all we hear about the martians in the first season
0: okay so it must be a sort of early season two because a lot of that was covered in the books and yeah yeah so uh, well so the book that i read so <laughs> yeah it, it must be early season two um that, that all got well that Mars gets introduced more sort of prominently. Because I think, yeah, really most of your knowledge of Mars early on in the show, I remember, just does come from Alex, the pilot, being from there.
1: Yes. Although he doesn't even he doesn't give any kind of data dumps in season one. He's just like, oh yeah, I used to be in the Mars Navy and like, hey, yeah. here's some things about like codes they use and that's basically all he does. <laughs> um yeah, I I I quite liked this show. I quite liked it. I want to touch on one more thing that I really liked, which is, well, it was kind of weird because they didn't resolve it, but this is kind of a trope that I really like, which is the main characters put on a clock for something. Um, So in episode 10, Miller, the cop, and Holden, the pilot, get like seriously bad radiation poisoning, and they seem like they're going to die for the entire episode. Yeah. They're basically trying to get back to their ship before it leaves, and they get completely fucked from radiation and it's kind of not really resolved whether they're all right or not at the end which was a little disappointing i don't know we could see what (laughs) happens i'm assuming they're fine but i I really like that oh that noise is (laughs) giving me something to think about um that's just kind of a trope that i really like and i feel like it was done really well um it, it can be problematic when like characters are like have that done to them where it's like oh i'm gonna die if i don't get to here or whatever and it feels like it doesn't have a lot of stakes like i would compare it to yeah. something like stargate where this kind of thing happens a lot but it doesn't really feel like there's stakes but even though i was fairly sure that they're going to be all right for season two it still felt like there were stakes which i liked i appreciated it and it, it kind of gave the episode a lot of emotional heart
0: i think a, a big part of that is, like the way the expanse did it is you could tell they were feeling it like they're coughing up blood yeah they miller coughed up a lot of like blood shit. in that episode <laughs> um yeah and i mean cuz it's you know it comes up a lot more in the book quite like, because they're constantly comparing belter and and um inner planet people's physiology right right and so that's like a big thing that comes up in in the book is like miller starts to suffer a fair bit more because quickly. he's a Just, belter yeah yeah
1: that makes sense i i didn't i mean I noticed that he was suffering more in the show, but I didn't kind of connect that it was the Belter thing.
0: No, and, cool. and I mean, I I didn't when I watched it either. Like. <laughs>
1: I should have read the recap. I reckon it would be in there. <laughs> um, yeah, I really like the show. I feel like it has... it Like, even though season one clearly wasn't the entire story, it still felt like a good arc um, that still left a lot of questions and a lot of things open that I would want to hear about in season two. And not just things like, you know, who is behind setting up this conspiracy, but... They even end the last episode of season one with this weird tag where like this bioweapon kind of forms a humanoid body and like abducts some dude. And it's like, oh, this is a sentient bioweapon now and like that's going to be cool to explore and all the kind of Mars Earth relations and like Earth framing Mars for this war that they're trying to start for some reason. Or not Earth, but, you know, uh, Jules Mao or whatever the, the uh, corporation leader's name is. But yeah, yeah, I, I, I really liked it. I, I'm on board with it. I'm going to check it out for season two, for sure.
0: Yeah, keep going with the show, because I mean, I think maybe I'll keep reading the books, but I don't know if I'll ever try and overtake the show, because honestly, so far my feeling is the show's actually better than the books, so I would stick with recommending people the show, which is a bit abnormal, but yeah. Yeah,
1: um, yeah so I'll give it a... What'll I give it? I'll give it an 8.5 out of 10, I reckon. I mean... I reckon season two, if it picks up, might push me up to a nine, but there's a little bit of stuff that kind of dragged it down at the start. Um, so, eight and a half, I think. Cool. What are you going to give the book, out of curiosity?
0: Um, I mean, based on sort of that, like, because I'd probably give the show a higher because I'm super into it, but if if the show's getting an eight and a half, then the book should get an eight. I think it's just a tiny bit beneath where the show is at. All
1: right. So, eight and a half out of ten, or eight for the book, I guess, is pretty good. Um, so if you, uh, kind of want to let us know what you thought of the expanse, you can check out, uh, the Reddit thread on our subreddit, which is linked in the show notes. Um, yeah, next week we will be starting a look at a movie called Okja, which is a, um, Bong Joon-ho movie. And we might be taking a look at some of his other movies like Snowpiercer. We'll see how we go. But yeah, if you want to check that out, um, we'll put up a thread on our subreddit, which will also be linked in the show notes. And you can talk about what you thought about Okja if you've checked it out or uh, what you might want to talk about if you were going to recommend Okja to someone else. Cool. We will see you in a week. See
0: ya.